0: Today on the show, I'm speaking with Esther Nicholson, who shares her inspiring story of going from a drug addict to being a backup singer for Rod Stewart and Bette Midler and how she's helping people change their lives. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Natalie Ledwell, and this is The Inspiration Show, and today my special guest is Esther Nicholson. How are you, Esther?
1: I'm wonderful. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. You're coming all the way from Nashville. Actually, I think you're my first guest from Nashville, so that's very exciting. Uh,
1: yay!
0: <laughs> uh, now, the reason I have you here on the show is because you have an exceptionally inspiring story. So why don't we start with um, with that story first, and then we're going to go more into what it is that you do.
1: Okay. Well, you know, most people that I, that I speak to, they always expect me to start to begin my story with, you know, I started smoking marijuana at 15, you know, I started doing cocaine at 21, but my story doesn't start there. My story starts with the addiction before the addiction, you know, right. before I was ever addicted to any substance, any drugs or any alcohol, I was emotionally addicted to a hundred forms of fear. I was, I cannot remember a time in my life, you know, my first memory is, you know, probably when I was four or five years old, I was just always so afraid and I was so addicted to approval and you wanting me and you liking me and so addicted to that feeling of not being enough and not being worthy. And so that's what where i believe that all addiction stems from and that that addiction stems from a disconnection from from your true identity and, and a disconnection from your soul yeah. and so that first addiction of course it creates this cavernous hole that can never be filled and it creates this you know insatiable you know hunger and thirst that cannot be filled by anything outside of ourselves but we don't know that i didn't know that yeah. so so my my first addiction you know um that that led from from that place was you know wanting someone to like me if you you know the first time i was introduced to marijuana it wasn't because i wanted to smoke marijuana it was because the group of kids said we'll hang out with you yeah you know, and it was like, "Hey, if, if you'll hang out with me, if I smoke this joint, then let's do it." You know, and um, and so of course it progressed from there, and you know that I started um, smoking and, and and snorting cocaine, um, and and there there came a point in that experience where it wasn't about you liking me or you, you know, approving of me. I had crossed that invisible line where I wasn't doing it. To get approval anymore I was doing it because I was now addicted
0: yeah
1: you know and now that I'm addicted so now I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing all three elements of addiction the spiritual malady the mental obsession and the physical allergy right you know, so now even when my my uh, emotions or, or you know my intellect is saying you know what you've had enough Don't do it anymore. Now I've set off this physical thing that says, well, you're not quite done until I say you're done. And so when it says that, that means I never knew how far I was going to go that day. You know, I didn't know what lengths I was going to go through or two to get high because I never knew when it was going to be over. I didn't know if I was going to end up dead at the end of that day because I knew that once that physical allergy had overtaken me, I was willing to do anything to get the next hit, yeah. and that put me in a lot of dangerous um, experiences and a lot of dangerous places.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I know that uh, you actually have passed that stage. So, what was it? Was was did you hit rock bottom? Was there one incident that actually made you think, "I really need to get out of this"?
1: Well, of course, you know the rock bottom. You know there were different levels of. bottom and and you would look at all of the experiences that I had from losing my daughter you know to just you know living such a demoralizing life and never being able to keep a job you would think that that would be the bottom but that was all leading to the bottom and um, I I think that what was really um, significant for me is one day I I was I have been clean for 90 days actually and I was in my apartment, and all of a sudden, that thing came over me, that monster, that just blindsided me. And I wasn't me anymore. And I ran outside of my house with no shoes on, and I hopped in a taxi. And I said, Dunsmuir and Pico, which is where the drug neighborhood is. Hmm. And so I get in the taxi with no shoes on, and I'm lying low in the back seat so people from AA can't see me if someone spots me. Just insane. And he drives for a little while and then he pulled over and I'm like, what are you doing? Take me Mm. to the drug house. And this angel of mercy and this angel of death turned around and looked at me and said, young lady, please don't do it. Please don't kill yourself. Mm. You don't have to live this way anymore. And I looked in his eyes and I knew that I knew that I knew that if I continued on, that I was going to die that day. And I said, take me home. And he turned around and he took me home. And it was from that moment on that I knew that if I didn't stop, I was gonna die. And that is when I totally committed myself to the spiritual aspect of the recovery program. I totally dove in with all that I had um, into the 12 step recovery process. And what led me to my next level, my second stage recovery, was, you know, 10 years of doing that, those steps stopped working mm. as they are designed to do. They are designed to take you to a certain point. And then it's time for you to grow yeah. beyond that. So that's what led me to where I am today. And that's what led me to, to write Soul Recovery, which is a unification of the 12 steps of recovery and spiritual universal principles.
0: Yeah, because that's the thing. When you're, you're sort of in that moment, you're so dis- disconnected from who you really are. Like mm-hmm. your soul is crying out, going, you know, this is this is not who you are. We're like we're we're humans we're spirits you having a human experience. Um but then to rise above that. So I know that what you teach is like an extension of the twelve steps. Yes. So tell me tell me a little bit about the you know the methods that you teach.
1: Right. Well um it's soul recovery, twelve keys to healing addiction. And so, in honoring the twelve steps, I always talk about the power of the twelve steps, but that they were never intended for us to pull over and park there mm-hmm. so for instance, step one um, uh, uh, I am powerless over alcohol, and my life has become unmanageable, or I'm powerless over my emotions, or I'm powerless over procrastination, or I'm powerless over fear and worry, you know whatever that addiction May be and my life has become unmanageable that is from what i talk about in the book is that that is a very powerful step yeah. but it is only meant to open you up and bring you to a place of such surrender that you are now willing to to dive in and connect to the real power yeah that is within yourself so and then in, in step number two where it says came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity well i talk about in key number two that the power greater than yourself is yourself yes it's not out there in the sky up there in the sky it's not in the churches it's not in the in the rooms of recovery it is within your very own beingness and the reason that you can be restored to sanity be restored to wholeness well first of all you can't be restored to something you never had hmm. so your original nature that you forgot yeah that you've become conditioned to forget Must be wholeness, must be sanity, which is simply emotional and spiritual balance and well beingness. Mm -hmm. You know, so yes, I take each step and I expand on it in a metaphysical way. And I take the reader, the participant, through a week of anchoring in that particular key to take them out of powerlessness into connecting to. Reconnecting to their true identity.
0: Yeah. And when you talk about addictions, you're talking about it like many different types of addictions.
1: Absolutely. Addiction is, um, addiction itself or whatever, whatever it is that you're addicted to. It is an effect. It is a symptom. It is not the cause. Yes. And so my symptom, my effect for a long time was drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. But like I told you before I ever picked up a drink, my effect was you saying that I was okay. You saying that I was enough, you wanting me, you loving me. And when I stopped drinking and using, that cause was still there. Yeah. So I had a lot of work to do, even after I put down the effect, the, you know, the, the the physical form of drugs and alcohol. Right. You know, then it was men, then it was, you know food, then it was, you know, my emotions and, you know, being, being addicted to that emotional roller coaster, yeah. you know, that, that we, we find ourselves addicted to.
0: So with the work that you do, do you think it's important that you go back to the point to figure out where that came from? Or is it just good enough knowing that it was there, it came from that time in your life, and then you just work on fixing it from, you know, from this day forward?
1: I think that finding out where it came from has its place. Right. I think it's important. For, for you to have a deep sense of, for you to gain a deep sense of compassion
0: mm-hmm.
1: for your inner child.
0: Yeah. Okay. You know,
1: because a lot of people think, oh my God, I'm so screwed up because I'm so bad. I'm horrible. I'm screwed up. I'm, I'm a mess. And through my revisiting my past, it's like, wow, baby. And I always rub my tummy because that's where I feel my inner child. It's like, wow, sweetheart, no mm-hmm. wonder you had such a hard time. Yeah. You know, so it, mm-hmm. it, it, it switches that beating myself up It flips that into deep compassion for myself. However, it's not good to pull over and park there either because then that keeps you connected to your story of victimhood. So it has its place. You want to recognize it. You want to have compassion for it. And And then what really matters is you coming to a realization that it was never your fault, was never the truth about you. What is the truth about you, and how do we get to the truth now? And that's what the twelve keys are designed to do.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. And I've had a, a, a couple of friends recently go through a process where they've, you know, identified, you know, their behaviors, and that when they look at themselves, you know, in a in a, an emotional way like that, it's like, well, I'm not a good person. But it's like, it's not that you're not a good person. These behaviors. Are a um, a symptom or a reaction of some program that you picked up when you were younger. So you know it's 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 not really your fault. It's just that okay. Well, now that you know what it is, you can work on fixing it.
1: Well, how the analogy I like to use is because you know you are stunted emotionally and mm-hmm. spiritually. So there's your inner child that has been traumatized, that feels unwanted and unloved, and and not enough. Well, what does a child do? When it feels unacknowledged and unwanted, it acts out Yeah, and it will either act out by withdrawing mm-hmm. or act out becoming overly aggressive and, you know, can't hold its attention and all that kind of stuff. So when we act out, it is just our inner child that's not getting the attention and the love and the healing that that is required. Yeah. So when I look, even today, when I act out, you know, I might have me a few Krispy Kreme donuts, or you know, or I might feel fear. Or I might snap at somebody. It's like, oh, okay, what's going on here, sweetheart? Mm. Yeah. What are you afraid? What are you afraid of? What are you? What are you trying to protect? You know, and it's like she acted out a little bit. Now, you know, there are days that we let her out of the daycare without, you know, an attendant. Yeah. You know, we gotta <laughs> reel her back in. You know, but now I just have such a deep sense of compassion for myself and I'm teaching my clients and my audiences to do that as well. You were never bad. Yeah. You were, you were never damaged. Yeah. You were never not enough. You just thought you were. You
0: yeah. Yeah. know and I love how you uh, you combine music with, with the work that you do and I know that you've had a bit of a illustrious um, singing career as well. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about some of the highs of that type of career.
1: Well um, when I was 12 years sober um, I was working as a legal secretary and I hated it because my spirit, you know, was like just free. And, you know, I, I, I remembered that I was a singer mm-hmm. and cause I didn't sing for the first 10 years of my sobriety. I'd forgotten that I was a singer, right. but through re- the recovery process, like I remembered, oh, wow, that's my passion. That's what I love to do. And, um, so after 12 years of sobriety, I got the call to go on the road with, Bette Midler. And I hadn't even gone out to audition for it. Right. It was like a gift and uh, I was so excited. And it was like one of the highlights of my life. But I talk about in the book how because that self-worth and self-esteem and, and sense of deservingness was not, hadn't been healed, I didn't feel like I deserved to be there.
0: Right.
1: And I was afraid every day that I was going to get fired. You know, it's like, so, you know, even if wonderful things are happening in your life and you're feeling like a fraud, you know, that's your little child saying, I'm still not worthy. I'm still not enough. And so that experience was definitely, you know, motivation for me to go deeper in a way that the 12 steps of recovery were not designed to take me. And so, again, that's that's how we created soul recovery.
0: Yeah. So tell me yeah. some of the Thank other people Dad that you've. worked
1: Fort and doing all those wonderful things yeah. with Beth Midler and Rod Stewart. Yeah. It was a dream. Yeah. It, it was. absolutely was. Yeah. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um, it's just been awesome having you here on the show. Um, now, if people want to um, find out more about you and the work that you do and your book and everything, where can we send them? To buy the book, to
1: purchase the book, uh, Soul Recovery, Mm -hmm. 12 Keys to Healing Addiction and 12 Steps for the Rest of Us, because this isn't just for people that are suffering from drug addiction, Mm -hmm. Um, you can go to Mm Amazon.com. And to find out more about Soul Recovery and everything that we're up to, you can go to soulrecovery.org.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Thanks again, Esther. It's been awesome having you here on the show. Thank you, Natalie. (laughs) So guys, I... I I Thank you. Now I encourage you to share the video by clicking the Facebook and the Twitter share buttons above. Um, and don't forget, if you haven't downloaded the app onto your phone yet, make sure that you do that because now you can watch the shows on the go. You don't have to be in front of your computer. Um, and uh, if you haven't done so, put your uh, email in the box above there. I'd love to send you the Manifesting with the Masters video e-course. It's valued at $87 and I'd like to send it to you for free. So make sure you put your email in the box to get that. So until next time, remember to live large, choose courageously and Love Without Limits. We'll see you soon.